0: This episode of Story Institute's Ramblin' Verser is brought to you by Timeless Tales. We bring you travel and fun, creating new stories in your life. Enhance your stories now.
1: You never know when you're writing who you're going to touch, and uh, if you touch someone, and, and help them to make a little bit better sense of their life, then, to me, it's worth doing.
0: Well, hello there, and welcome to Story Institute's Rambling Verser Episode 4. I am John E. Murray III, your host for this episode, and the voice that you just heard was that of Joseph Langan. We'll hear a little bit more about Joseph's story as we get into the interview section from his life of considering being a priest to his time as a psychologist and uh, how he got into the writing field. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Our episodes start with a quote, and this one will do the same. It comes to us from Seneca. Let the man, who would be grateful, think of repaying a kindness, even while receiving it. For each of the authors who have joined us so far, we are truly grateful for the conversations they have shared with us and you, the listener. If you have any thoughts or ideas on who to who to bring in next, give us a call at 615-713-1783. Send us an email to ramblingverser at storyinstitute.com or post on, on our site itself at www.storyinstitute.com. Our usual cast of characters is here with us again today. Murray on the intro, and Terry is here to share with us the poem of the day. It's a little long, but we think you'll enjoy it. It fits in with the conversation we have with Joseph.
2: And here's this week's poem, The Ladder of St. Augustine, by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. St. Augustine, well hast thou said, That of our vices we can frame, A ladder if we but tread, Beneath our feet each deed of shame. All common things, each day's events, That with the hour begin and end. Our pleasures and our discontents are rounds by which we may ascend. The low desire, the base design that makes another's virtues less, the revel of the ruddy wine, and all occasions of excess. The longing for ignoble things, the strife for triumph more than truth, the hardening of the heart that brings irreverence for the dreams of youth. All thoughts of ill, all evil deeds, that have their root in thoughts of ill. Whatever hinders or impedes, the action of the nobler will. All these must first be trampled down, beneath our feet, if we would gain, in the bright fields of fair renown, the right of eminent domain. We have not wings, we cannot soar, but we have feet to scale and climb, by slow degrees, by more and more, the cloudy summits of our time. The mighty pyramids of stone, that wedge like cleave the desert airs, when nearer seen and better known, are but gigantic flights of stairs. The distant mountains that uprear their solid bastions to the skies are crossed by pathways that appear as we to higher levels rise. The heights by great men reached and kept were not attained by light, sudden flight, but they, while their companions slept, were tolling upward in the night. Standing on what too long we bore, with shoulders bent and downcast eyes, we may discern, unseen before, a path to higher destinies. Nor doom the irrevocable past, as wholly wasted, wholly vain, if rising on its wrecks at last, to something nobler we attain.
0: Well, thank you, Terry. And as you listen to the interview with Joseph Langan, listen to the words of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow and really consider how much it takes to write and to promote your work. For it is the effort that we put into writing and publishing that will truly make a difference. We're here with Joe Langan, and he is the author of Navigating Life, Common Sense Reflections for the Voyage. Joe, welcome, and thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about your your most recent book?
1: Yes, this is a book that I wrote for people to figure out how to handle things that come their way during life. Maybe what I could do is start out with a quote from the old days. This is from St. Augustine. It's uh, something that he said that kind of sets the pace, I think, for this book. Men go abroad to wonder at the heights of mountains or at the huge waves of the sea at the long courses of the rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motions of the stars, and they pass by themselves without wondering. That's kind of where I started with this book, I think.
0: That's great. That's great. So what what, what has been the response to, to to the book so far?
1: Well, it's just been published, but I've gotten some very good responses from people that have read it some of the things that are in there I published before as articles in the newspaper so i've shared these with other people and i have gotten good responses from my readers over the past couple of years from the ones that i have published uh... maybe i could tell you just a little bit about how the book is structured it's a series of reflections as uh, suggested by the title and in each reflection there is a quote something like the one that i just read from saint augustine then there's a reflection about a particular topic and at the end are what I call life lab lessons. And these are some things that you can do to practice whatever it is we're discussing in that particular selection. And maybe I could just give you an idea of some of the things that I'm addressing. One is how to take charge of your life and your relationships. Another is dealing with spirituality, by which I mean awakening to the goodness and joy for which you were created, appreciating life, keeping your goals in front of you, finding your place in the world community, firing up your creativity, using stress to spur you to action, saying what you mean and hearing others and knowing when to be silent, understanding what it means to be different, setting boundaries on toxic people and sorting out what's important to you. So it's kind of uh, a nautical chart, I guess, for how to handle the rough seas in life and for sometimes when things are going well too because it also involves learning to appreciate the good things that happen.
0: Very good, and and we all need it at one point or another. You know, we need that that, that navigation chart and, and that path for us to follow. Life is not as easy as it seems sometimes.
1: I have to agree with you. Sometimes it does get pretty rough, but there are, I think in most people's lives, there are good times and bad times, and I think there are lessons that you can learn from both. In the good times, you can learn appreciation. In the bad times, maybe you can learn about what you need to change. And how you need to redirect yourself.
0: So, so tell us why do you why do you write? What 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 inspires you to to, to write?
1: Well, I first uh, started writing, I think, for myself to make uh, sense of my own life. Uh, I worked for quite a few years as a psychologist, and I found myself telling people the same things over and over again. It seemed like everybody needed to learn the same things, and I felt like it was getting repetitive. And I thought maybe I could write down some of these things and share them with a larger audience. So I guess, first of all, the writing is for me. Uh, I wanted to tell my own story, which I did in my book, Young Man of the Cloth, and that's about my nine years in the seminary and monastery. In my first book, uh, Common Sense Wisdom for Everyday Life, again, these were thoughts and reflections about our actions and relationships with other people. One of the things that intrigued me was uh, the priest crisis uh, about um, abusive priests. And I had thought originally of doing a book of interviews with them. I did find a list of about uh, two or 3,000 priests that had been abusive, but tracking them down and uh, getting them to be agreeable to an interview seemed like an awfully big challenge, and it was beyond what I could afford to do at the time. So eventually I decided to do it as a novel and uh, and wrote it that way. So it's a way of, of exploring something that's unimaginable to most people, but also learning that no matter what the circumstances, there are ways to understand what people do, and there are also ways of finding redemption, which is really the theme of that novel. And this current one, Navigating Life, is kind of a development of my ideas, and I think probably a, a more mature presentation of the things that I've come to think. My original inspiration for writing was my Uncle Bob, who was a priest, and he wrote two books, The Constant Cross and Behold the Man. And I think I was inspired by him that if you have something to say, writing it is a good way to do it. I've been inspired over the years by people that I've met in counseling as a psychologist and just people I've met in my daily life, uh, either people that are unusual for some Good or bad reason uh, for people that have inspired me, and, and there are some stories about people who I found inspiring in, in my book as well. When I was working as a psychologist, I did start to develop a practice newsletter, which was something I sent out on a quarterly basis to people that made referrals to me. And then later on, I decided, well, why not share that with more people? And then I ended up doing a newspaper column in which I shared the same types of ideas but on a wider basis. And then, as I wanted to get more in depth in some of the subjects, that's where I developed the idea of writing books, and, and in my books are ways of exploring more in depth some of the ideas that I've uh, written about previously. So I guess that's pretty much where my inspiration comes from. What would you say is the f-
0: the focus for your writing? Uh, do you have one focus, or do you have, do you have a couple different ones?
1: Well, I think probably two things. Uh, one is to make sense of a person's own life. And I guess here again, if you go back to my own life, I, I started writing to make sense of things for me. In other words, I would write about things that I found mystifying or fascinating and by writing about them, trying to make more sense of them. And the other thing is that in relationships, I think people often become stuck in knowing how to approach another person and i think a lot of that's because we don't understand other people we don't take the time to understand them and i just wrote a column this morning about what is your story and and the point of that is that each of us has a story a life view that we use to to look at things and to make sense out of what happens to us and other people have other life stories and those stories don't always match ours and i think that's when we get into trouble and in trying to relate to other people so I think uh, the second focus then is how to sort out relationships and and to give people some practical ways that they can do this. So I, I'd say that probably is my next most important focus.
0: Where do you find new ideas to write about? I mean, with with your topics, they're, they're they're pretty relatable to to most individuals. But where do you find a new idea?
1: Well. Um, a lot of places uh i I think things that happen to me I sometimes just uh going to a store and see watching somebody there or or meeting someone it was interesting one time I remember uh I was sitting on my front porch uh writing one of my columns and uh the news the um our letter carrier came by, and um, she had some interesting comments and I wrote the column about her. I was just sitting there before she came trying to figure out what what I was going to say that time and she had some interesting comments, and I made a whole column about about her uh sometimes I will uh listen just to parties as um, you know to what people's stories are and what they have to say and what their perspective is uh, The newspaper is another place where I find inspiration sometimes especially when you find read stories that are directly opposite and people will have uh... directly opposite opinions about things which uh, supposedly are facts and really aren't they're just they're just what people think uh... i also have uh... readers of my other columns who will ask that i write about a particular topic and uh, that would be another inspiration maybe something that i haven't particularly thought of uh, but someone will ask, "What would you write about this?" And then I'll write about it, and then I'll learn something for myself about it as well.
0: You, you mentioned the, the newspaper piece a, a couple times. What, what, what papers uh, do, do you appear in, and is, are they readily available for, for others to, to, to get? Well,
1: uh, uh, they, it is, but it's, uh, the problem is, it's in Genesee County. It's a very—it's a small county in western New York. It's mm-hmm. called uh, the Daily News in Batavia, New York, so it's available there. But I do uh, print my columns on my website as well. So uh, for people that don't have access to the newspaper, they could find the same columns uh, at my website.
0: And that's commonsense-wisdom.com.
1: Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And you also
0: have a, a blog, um, Conversations with Calliope, at commonsense-wisdom.blogspot.com.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is uh, something I started a while ago. I had been thinking of doing a blog, and I Thought well, what, how will I do this? And then, uh, one time, I wrote uh, a story. This was back when I was writing short stories before I got into writing articles. And the sh- the story was rediscovering my muse. And it was about a time when I was in Minnesota. I'm sorry, in uh, in Upper Michigan. And I was looking forward to having some time to spend by myself and do some writing. And I'd put off writing for quite a while. And when I got there, I found out there wasn't any inspiration because I'd ignored my muse. And I decided we better keep in better touch. So now, my muse and I have a conversation uh, practically every day. Uh, Sundays we usually take off, but uh, it's usually five or six days a week that we have this conversation. And we will discuss things about uh, about ideas that I'm developing, about feedback I'm getting, about marketing, uh, about all aspects of writing. And it's it's just a, a way of um, carrying on the conversation. Uh, with somebody about the writing life and the writing process,
0: you get to tap into that inner voice and and see what the response is where, where most people kind of ignore it and and let it go past, but but you actually give it characterization and bring it to life.
1: I do, yes, yeah. She's like a friend right now.
0: Very good, very good. And that's you know if you if you ignore it, it goes away and, and stays away for a while. So it's good it's good to see that it, that it's brought out quite a bit more.
1: Yeah, that's been my experience.
0: So tell us about your, your publishing path. Uh, you have, again, four books out there. Uh, w- what path did you take to publishing?
1: Well, for the first two, I uh, pretty much followed the same path. I tried to think of um, editors and, and publishers who might be interested in publishing that work, and I read quite a bit about it. I read a lot of books about publishing and how to get published. And uh, then I figured, well, I... I what I found out is that you don't really approach traditional publishers directly. They don't want to hear about it. So you have to go through an agent. So then I got into trying to figure out how to get an agent and I read more books on that. And I found some websites uh, about uh, where agents are located, what they represent and did my research there. And I started submitting my ideas to uh, agents and I didn't get any place with that either. And, um, Finally, uh, I decided, well, maybe I'll just uh, publish this myself. So then I did some more reading and then discovered different ways uh, of um, self-publishing. What I did for my first two books was to uh, write the book, and um, I had to learn a lot as to how to format it. And um, I uh, had some help with the cover, for example. My son is an artist, and he did the artwork for all four of my books. And my daughter is a graphic artist, and she helped me with the design of it. So um, I didn't have to pay anybody to do that. Uh, And what I did after I'd written it, I... found a place called Morris Publishing out in Nebraska who uh, basically just prints books. They don't, they're not they not really a publisher, and so I set up my own publishing company, Sliding Otter Publications. The, um, the thing that I did then was to, to be my own publisher uh, and actually use Morris uh, as a, a way to print the books. So they printed the books, sent them back to me, and then I had to do my own distribution and sales and all that sort of thing, uh, which really got to be quite a challenge. For the um, third and fourth books, I thought maybe I would try something different. So uh, after more research and more reading, I uh, ran across BookLocker.com, uh, which is uh, an outfit in Maine uh, that does two kinds of printing. They w- they will do um, print-on-demand uh, for anybody that doesn't know what that means. Uh, it basically means that you set up the book, and uh, it's available, and if someone orders it, they print it and send it to them. So that's it's available in print on demand It's also available as an ebook which is a little bit less expensive and a person can contact them and order the book directly uh and get it immediately uh and The thing about uh the the print on demand is that I don't have to be involved with having a whole inventory of books uh, in my basement or uh be involved in actually the distribution. Uh, per book, you you can actually make a little bit more money by having somebody else do the printing and selling the books yourself. But on the other hand, then you've got to put the money up front for inventory, and uh, then you've got to have a place to store it, and you've got to do your own legwork in distributing it. So even though you earn a little bit less per book on the um, print-on-demand, for me, it, it, it seemed like a better option.
0: Yeah, that print-on-demand world has 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 taken off quite well. In fact, a couple of our our titles are are under that that same that same format, and it it does cost a little bit more. You lose a little bit more in profit, but but mm-hmm. the ease and even ease of distribution becomes that much easier.
1: Yeah, well, I guess it to me it depends on uh, how you want to um, spend your time, really, and your money. Uh, I. As I said before, I worked as a psychologist for many years, and I I was trying to balance working as a psychologist and and writing, and uh, there are different ways of thinking. and I found that I couldn't do both, so eventually I um, retired as a psychologist probably a little bit earlier than I might have otherwise, and I'm spending full time writing right now. On the other hand, I haven't uh, had the money that I would have had if I were a psychologist, so I've had to find ways to do this that are cost-effective and to me, the print-on-demand approach is, has been the one that wor- has worked the best for me. I think.
0: So, do you have any advice for for others looking to publish their own book? Since you've you've taken a great path, writing to publisher to printing to uh, uh, to even print-on-demand, what what advice would you give others?
1: Well, I I guess first of all, you'd have to decide why you want to publish a book. I mean, are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it to make money? Are you doing it because you have some ideas that you want to share with other people? So I think your, your goals for writing are probably the place to start. Uh, if you're interested in making money, then I guess the best way to do that is to have a bestseller. And and that generally to me means that it's best to go through a traditional publisher. But again as we talked about a little while ago that means getting an agent, uh, convincing a publisher to represent your book and maybe a couple years down the road you might have something in print but again you're still back to having to do your own marketing and pub- publicity at least after the initial phase so uh, if you're interested in money I guess go the traditional route although uh, the uh, chances of actually getting published that way are not great but I mean, if if you want to take that risk and spend your time trying to develop that, that's what I would suggest. Uh, if you're writing just for yourself, then maybe you don't need to publish it. Uh, if you have something you want to sh- say and share with other people or some ideas you'd like other people to be aware of or stories you'd like other people to know about, I think the self-publishing route uh, probably makes uh, sense, at least to me. And, and I would uh, you know, suggest that people at least consider that. It's a lot quicker, a lot easier, and has a lot better chance of publication. Uh, in either case, I, I guess if you're going to sell a lot of books, you have to be prepared to do a lot of the legwork yourself, the marketing and publicity in particular. And uh, that is a whole other world, much different from writing. And I've been busy learning about that, but I'm certainly not an expert in that area yet, but I'm working toward that.
0: Let's go back to to your audience for for, for your books. How would you describe it? And and do you think it's unique, or do you think it's it's just people looking for the same topics that you write about?
1: Well, let me tell you about a book I read recently. It's H.L. Uh, Mencken's book, uh, Notes on Democracy. And was something that he wrote um, back, i forget forgotten exactly when it was, but I think it was in the 20s. And basically what he was saying is that only about 20% of people are even capable of thinking. <laughs> and the rest are just like sheep. I think that my readers are in that 20%. They're, they're the people that tend to be thoughtful about their lives uh... tend to be concerned about the effects uh... that they have on others and also have a spiritual focus uh, and i think i might have mentioned before that what i meant by spirituality, but maybe it'd be good to just say it again because i, I think spirituality something's talked about a lot and I, i'm not sure if people are always clear on what they mean by that uh... to me uh... it means awakening to the goodness and joy for which you were created uh... so in other words it's finding a higher purpose in life and, and actually doing something for a purpose rather than just existing or just uh, grabbing what you can uh, as life goes by. So in that sense, I think that's probably the uh, audience for which I write, and uh, and I've gathered people that are interested in my writing who who think that way.
0: And speaking of your audience, you do have some, some comments on your website as far as how others have reacted to your book. Um, your your books, excuse me, um, it, how, how does that make you feel? What, what does that do for you as a writer, but also somebody trying to share share a, a positive message?
1: Well, it, it encourages me to keep writing. Uh, when I um, hear that, uh, even if one person, and sometimes I just only hear from one person about something that I've written uh, and how it's changed their life uh, in a specific situation, that encourages me to do it. Uh, Because you never know when you're writing who you're going to touch. And uh, if you touch someone and and help them to make a little bit better sense of their life, then to me it's worth doing. Uh, The money to me is secondary. I mean, a long time ago, well, not a long time ago, but a while ago, I learned about prosperity and um, what that means. And that uh, it really doesn't have to do with money. It has to do with how you look at life. And I I guess I've found people that have helped me to make sense of my life. And if I can return the favor, then uh, I I am very happy to do it. And and I think that's the thing that's the most satisfying to me, is to know that sometimes I do make a difference in some people's lives. Uh, You don't always hear that uh, as a psychologist because people are paying you to do it. But uh, when you're doing it um, because it's something that you believe in, and um, it touches them even though you may not have even met that person, then that, that's important to me, and that keeps me going.
0: Well, Joseph, thank you for your time and sharing your passions and writing.
1: Uh, I appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk with me.
0: Well, thank you, and you can find more of Joe's work at commonsense-wisdom.com. Each of the interviews we've done here on Story Institute's Rambling Versa podcast have been with authors you may have heard of or you may not have heard of. The goal is is really to share with you a little something uh, that you may not find in your your mass market bookstores. We encourage you to visit our sites or or visit theirs. Each of their sites are posted on storyinstitute.com and also within ours. You can also purchase their books uh, from Amazon, uh, many from Barnes & Noble, or or just uh, pick it up on, on their sites. Writers that we have coming up on Rambling Verser are Marcus D Hart, Bart Leahy, Jacqueline Howard, and Roberta Lee. Please join us each week for a new author and a new topic. Speaking of new topics, here's Terry with some short story and poetry uh, writing prompts for you for this week. Terry?
2: here's today's poetry topic. Peace within and without. Peace is a concept with an opposite that provides more damage quicker than peace can achieve goodness. A sense of peace is different than a state of peace. Calmness, solemnity, lack of violence are all parts that reflect this graceful word. When do we realize the true sense of the word? When do we have time to reflect on all the concepts? When is it time to look into the eyes of countrymen? our family, our children, and share a sense of relief and hope that didn't reside in their minds before. Think of the simple words that align to the concepts of peace. Think of the connections you may make within your own country. Are you at war? Are you at peace? Perhaps you are somewhere in between. What helps bridge the gap? What brings about the reality of peace for you? Decide on the vision of what peace is to you and post it to our website, At storyinstitute.com or share it elsewhere but write and enjoy and here's today's short story topic waiting on a past an elderly gentleman sits on a simple wooden bench his back is arched and he is leaning forward he looks upward for a few moments then straight ahead he leans back and listens feathers fly by furry creatures scurry along Plastic discs and patterned round objects sail across the surface before the man. He rests. This man has a story. This man has a reason he chose this particular bench on which to set. This man has memories that tie him to this place, this environment, this community. Where is he? What has happened in his life to leave him here? When will we see the thoughts that race through his mind as the world continues on fast forward before him? Share pieces of a history no one knows, share memories no one else shares, share the joys and surprises, share the disappointment and the tragedies, share the life that is this man's. Decide on the path, decide on the why, decide on the story, but write. Post it to storyinstitute.com or share elsewhere, but write and enjoy.
0: Thank you for those writing prompts, Terry. And please join us next week for a new episode of Ramly Verser. Until then, remember to imagine, enhance, and grow your stories.